The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And now, it's time for Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Everybody, you're listening to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor and one of my favorite guests and one of the most integral guests to the success of my radio show in the past year is a gentleman with the name of Michael Hartsman, who I've become friends with and adore. And plus, he's one hell of a smart guy and knows about the economy. And we have sort of navigated our way through, folks, what we hope is missing a recession. We don't know for sure yet, but we're, we're, there's, there's still some uh, controversy about it. But um, we're going to talk about that on today's show. Mike comes on every quarter, you know, uh, the, regardless of weather, regardless of anything, regardless of vacation, regardless of his job. He's here for us to talk about the economy. And he has basically helped my mental health in the last uh, 15, 18 months that we've been doing this um, because the economy has been very rocky and it's affected my business. It's affected a lot of businesses. There are many, many businesses that are dependent on good economic factors. So when you're, when your job, your livelihood is directly impacted by the economy, you have to listen to these shows so you know where it's going to be. Uh, so again, Michael Hartsman, he's a certified financial planner, a Wall Street veteran who specialized in retirement planning, education, elder and estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care. His vast knowledge of these subjects are discussed weekly on his podcast, The Labenthal Report, which I have been a guest on. Uh, and it's a business show that keeps investors informed about the current market conditions, opportunities, and risks in the financial markets. As co-host, Michael helps guide listeners through the complex world of investing while breaking down today's headlines and stories into easily understood concepts, providing the kind of sound fiduciary advice his clients have received for years. And note, folks, easily understood concepts. That's why we keep having them back, because uh, the economy can get really complicated. Michael's currently partner and president of Labenthal Financial Services, a full-service independent broker-dealer with an emphasis on financial and retirement planning, as well as president of Bristol Capital Corp., a full-service insurance agency specializing in life insurance, long-term care, fixed annuities, and employee benefits. Michael also taught 12 e course at Long Island University covering topics such as defined benefits, defined contribution plans, non-qualified plans, Social Security, and prepare CFP candidates for the retirement portion of their exams. He's written various articles on retirement and estate planning, as well as one for us, the Executive Alliance Thought Leadership Team, as well as a state of the market in publications such as 50 Plus Lifestyles and The Legal Brief. He's married to his wife, Donna, and has two grown children and two beautiful granddaughters. I've seen pictures, so I can verify. Um, he's currently on the board of directors and executive committee of the Kenya Education Fund. Michael, welcome back to Radio Jobline. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Great to have you as always. And and uh, whoever thought I would like an economist? I, I pretty much don't <laughs> like economists. Um, the I've had bad experiences. I it, there's always a controversy, Mike. There's always a controversy for every author who writes an article for the Wall Street Journal or some other very respectable periodical like Forbes or any. There's another author 
that's writing the corollary, mm-hmm. you know, which is enough to drive someone crazy. That does not happen in every industry. You know, that's it's pretty particular to the economy. So I read an article just the other day. I mean, it was the day before yesterday, you know, a gloom and doom article talking about recession spreading across the country like a disease that the un- that the job market was about to collapse. I mean, th- these are the types of words colossally, you know, impactful words that have been used in these articles. So what did I do with the article? You sent it to me. I sent it right to you. <laughs> and it was seven o'clock in the morning on, uh, on, on Monday morning. And uh, that's how you started your week. Thanks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about that first, Mike. Why isn't there any unity in, in what is happening with the economy? Why does there always have to be one person saying one thing and even a big person, JP Morgan or giant, giant uh, corporations saying one thing and then other people say, no, you're wrong. It's going to be this way. Why can't we agree? Because I think economics, Scott, it goes back to the old expression, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And different economists could look at different data facts or look at their own unique data facts that they think are important and draw their own conclusions. So um, my partner Dominic and I frequently look at these two economists, which we name nameless. Mm-hmm. One is always very, very negative, and one is always very, very positive. And, and lo and behold, the, the, one of the large financial news networks always have them on their show back to back. It brings eyeballs to the TVs, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two... I think sometimes when someone is a contrarian, they also have an easier chance to get themselves heard and get themselves out there. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, economics is 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 really someone's ability to interpret what what they see. And and they could take that data and they could try to, you know, see unicorns and rainbows, or they could take that data and see Gloomy skies like the weather we had yesterday mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah. You thought that was gloomy? I, I was, a little bit. Uh, was wonderful. <laughs> um, so uh, let me tell you a little bit about our business, Mike. We, we are in the executive search business, mm-hmm. and we are still seeing not – it's not terrible. It's not bad, you know, but it's not the robust – hiring that it was in 2022. 2022 was the best year in our company's history. So 2023 was okay. You know, it, we're not whining about it. Uh, but how's 2024 going to be? Are we are we going to be better in 2024 than 2023? Is that an, a, fair, a fair question? So I know I come here for you to ask me the questions, mm-hmm. but I have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. 2022, the economy fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And that's when inflation was hitting, you know, highs we haven't seen in 40 years. Mm -hmm. Stock market collapsed. The bond market collapsed. Why was the job market so strong in a year where the economy was basically crumbling? I think think it was a leftover from 2021 with all the pent-up hiring from COVID. Okay. All right. You didn't think I had an answer to that. No, I knew you had an answer. (laughs) I knew you had an answer. I was just curious. I generally was curious. So what do I think 2024 will be? Well, Scott, let's go back to the article that I I wrote for Executive Alliance Mm -hmm. at the end of last year where good news was finally good news. Mm -hmm. So let's fast forward to last Friday. Last Friday, the jobs number came out for the month, and the the economy grew by 220,000 jobs for the month. 
all of a sudden, the stock market looked at that and said, uh-oh, that's a little too hot. Mm. Now, because that was on a Friday and the market already went down Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the market digested that on Friday morning and then said, all right, maybe, maybe good news again is good news. The, the job market in particular is just not falling apart. It's mm-hmm. just not crumbling. Whether, and you talked about that, this on our podcast, mm-hmm. whether it's companies have such a hard time finding people, they're reluctant to let them go, or you know they're, they're so optimistic about the economy in 2024, I still think that's why the job market has held fairly steady. Tomorrow we're getting inflation data. If that again, if that inflation data comes in, you know, not too hot, not too cold, a nice little Goldilocks number, mm-hmm. I think that'll be more indication that the investors and economists have confidence that the Federal Reserve could finally start to lower interest rates. Mm-hmm. So now I was once under the impression until, of course, you corrected me, that once interest rates start coming down, that would be the end of the bad news, that that that, that starts to look like good news, you know, because uh, interest rates are getting lower, money's cheaper to borrow, uh, people want to lend it more, uh, it's almost like a loosening you know, going on when interest rates are dropping. When interest rates are going up, you can't buy a house, you can't, your mortgage rates are too high. You know, it seems to put a big, you know, stifle on the economy. You're right. What what you said is 100% correct. However, what we look for in the economy is if if they're lowering interest rates rapidly, you know, are they lowering interest rates in order to stop a, an economy from slowing down to the point where it's going to go into a recession or slowing down to, to a point where they just have to kickstart it. And, and unless there's an extraordinary circumstance, like the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. or the beginning of the financial crisis, or the terrorist attacks of 9-11, if we're just in a normal economic cycle, we don't want interest rates to go down too quickly. We want them to go down methodically. Again, mm-hmm. Goldilocks. Because that is when your assumptions and your knowledge of the economy is spot on. Mm-hmm. What you said is not incorrect. You just, we don't want it to happen too quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, first, we, we, they were talking about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it, 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 three interest rate declines next year. And then recently, I heard that there may be as many as six. And I couldn't help smiling because I, I always feel like when interest rates go down, it's a good thing. But I know it's now I've learned that it's not necessarily. But what are your feelings about three versus six? Have you heard both numbers? I have heard I, I have heard both, both numbers. I, and God willing, I'm back on the show a year from now. Right. And we could we could go over whether I'm right or wrong. I think if the economy, I'm sorry, if the government lowers interest rates six times, then then we've gone into a recession, mm-hmm. a hard recession. And they're trying to to help. They're trying to head it yes. off. Yeah. So so I think the one thing, and we'll get we'll get into the you know the market numbers in a minute. I think the one thing that the market is is teed up for a disappointment mm-hmm. is again what you just said. If the market is expecting the Federal Reserve to start lowering interest rates in March, which is now two months away, mm-hmm. and lower six times between March and December, I think that's very aggressive. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I think the market 
will be disappointed if that's what they're generally expecting the Fed to do. And if and then the Fed is doing it, again, be careful what you wish for. It's because the economy has really hit the brakes. Mm. All right, so how do you feel about this realistic possibility then? Well, 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 but before we even get to that, let's close out the year. Let's finish out the numbers for the year, and, and let's, let's start attacking this year. So, so give me a summary of, of the final quarter. Sure. So, so I think a lot of people will be surprised by these numbers. So in 2023, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is the 30 largest companies that get handpicked by I don't know who a committee, mm-hmm. they that Dow Jones was up 16.2 percent. Mm. The S and P 500, which is the 500 largest companies in America, that was up a very healthy 26.3 percent. Mm. And the Nasdaq, which is pri- comprised mostly but not entirely of technology companies, smaller companies. Tech heavy, that was up, Scott, 44.6%. That's beautiful. So the question becomes, did it happen in time for that to be reflected in everyone's 401k? Well, yeah. The S&P 500 had a pretty good year right out of the box. Um, If if you recall, the beginning of the S&P went up 20% between January and June, then sold off a little bit, and then rebounded 14.4%. From its October low to the end of the year, mm-hmm. but but that number was a little deceiving because in the beginning of the year the S and P was being pulled up, but with the media dubbed the Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. it was seven very large tech companies that basically pulled up the entire S and P five hundred. So it was seven companies dragging mm-hmm. four hundred ninety three companies along for the ride. Mm-hmm. But the numbers don't lie; it was mm-hmm. still up twenty percent. Mm-hmm. If you own the index. You were up 20%. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end of the year, the market's breadth expanded. And it was basically most companies now participated in that year-end rally. So that was the difference between kind of, you know, the tale of two, two markets for 2023. But as, as we said before the show started, the numbers don't lie. Stock market did what it did. Stock market hit record highs at the end of the year. And if you just simply own the indexes, you did very, very well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I was just looking at our statements, Mike, you know, for, for my family. And uh, we did we did okay. Mm-hmm. We did pretty well. Um, not as great as we had hoped. Not, not as great as the numbers you just gave, you know, 22%, 44%, things like that. But uh, we did okay. Um, I'm, I'm worried about next year mm-hmm. because in 2025, it looks like I may be retiring. Mm-hmm. So I want to I wanna get all I can. You know, next 18 months, you know, I'm going to do a phased retirement and, you know, which I think a lot of people are going to do. Um, But, you know, how do you think, where am I going to be in 2025? So just to be clear, I don't want, I want, I don't want you to feel bad. Most people did not make 26% and 44%. Mm -hmm. I mean, you simply had to be undiversified, have no diversification and own these two indexes. Mm -hmm. And most people don't do that, Scott. Mm -hmm. Most people my opinion, do the right thing, do the smart thing, do what you do, mm. and have diversification. Mm. And if you're a year and a half out of retirement, you don't want to have 100% of your money in the stock market. You mm. want to be diversified. Now, here's the other part of it. I know a little bit about you. I know how old you are. Mm-hmm. You're retiring. You're not dying, God forbid. Mm-hmm. Right? So you still have to be diversified and have money invested in the market. 
So the question becomes, for you and anyone else who's thinking about retiring, is, yes, I want my money to make me money, but if, they, if you also need income from that account, well, then you also have to make sure that you're not investing too aggressively because you don't want to be taking money out every month of your, of your account mm-hmm. in a falling market, right? So that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. But, but I do think in 2025 is a very long time from now to make any sort of prediction. But if I look at a normal economic cycle, I think the economy – if we're if we're now hit, you know out of or still in a falling interest rate environment, mm-hmm. the economy should still be okay. What about real estate? I know you're not a real estate expert, you know, but I'm just curious because uh, many people, like and myself included, uh, we have a house and we have equity in that house, and that's going to be part of my uh, the money that I have to retire with. Um, it, it re, everyone always says real estate's been doing great. It's been doing great. It's been doing great. Um, I, I haven't really seen it in my community, but um, I'm just wondering how do you see the real estate market if you had to just give some thoughts on where it's going? So, if we are correct that interest rates are falling, then the housing market should be fine mm-hmm. because you know, yeah, you know, old old guys like us, we want to sell our house, want to get as much money for it. If we're selling it to a young couple in their late twenties, early thirties, early forties, and they they and they have to take out a mortgage with seven, eight, nine percent interest, well, they may not be able to afford your house at the price you want to sell it at. If interest rates are falling, mortgage rates are getting back to normal. Well, what's normal? Four, five percent. Let's call that average. Then you can offer get a little bit more for your house. Mm-hmm. So I think. With, with a falling interest rate environment, it helps the sellers and it helps the buyers when mortgage rates come down. Okay. So, and, that, and that's good. You know, so that gives us a little perspective on, on where we stand on that market. So, the next thing to talk about is where are we going in 2024? So, so we closed out 2023. The, you've got two sides of the coin. Maybe, maybe that person who wrote that article about um, the, uh, the um, job market collapsing like a disease across the country. Maybe he was looking for headlines. He wanted to get on on, on Yahoo. He wanted to get on, on the front page of Forbes, whatever he was trying to do. And maybe people do do that, you know, just to get headlines. But I'm much more interested in your opinion, you know, than his. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so let's take the first two quarters of 2024 and give me your best guesstimate of what you think will happen. I think for the first two quarters of 2024, we will remain hyper-focused on what the Federal Reserve does and says as it relates to interest rates. Mm-hmm. As I said, today we're doing the show. It's January 10th. We're recording it. Mm-hmm. It'll be on the air after the economic inflation data comes out tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Depending on how that data sits, and I do think it'll be, if anything, it'll be kind of right where the market is expecting or maybe a little weaker um, that if it's a little weaker, it might spook the market in the short run. Mm-hmm. Um, worrying that again, the market is hitting the skids and heading into a recession. Mm-hmm. But I do think if that number is relatively relatively tepid, which is a good chance it will be, and we could go into the first and second quarters not going into a recession yet. Don't forget, like you said, it's two quarters in a row. Mm-hmm. Then I do think that the market and the economy will continue to do okay 
the, the, the numbers that I'm reading for the economists that I respect, they're expecting, you know, the S&P to be up somewhere between 7.5% and 10%. Mm-hmm. No one's going to com- complain about that mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't really see the economy falling off a cliff. If it does, then all bets are off. But I do think we'll see the economy just maybe slowly deteriorating, mm. but not to the point where the Fed has to overreact. Okay. All right. So, but a slow deterioration wouldn't be bad, uh, you know, in any way. That's what the Fed wants. Yeah. You know what I've said on this show before? When they start raising interest rates, Scott, they know they're going to break stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you know, when they broke the bank, the, the back of the banks in March, if you remember that, those bank failures, Typically, they think they're going to break the back of the job market, and they haven't. Mm. All right. So, a lot more to come in, in the second segment. You're listening to Radio Jobland with Scott Possessor, and Michael Hartsman is joining me today to talk about the economy for 2024. What could actually be more important than that, folks? If you have an idea for Radio Jobland, you can write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. ScottP118 at gmail.com. Also, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll see our weekly column uh, about everything, all things business. Uh, and we'll be right back. May the four winds blow you safely Welcome back to Radio Jobline with your host, Scott Possessor, right here on LI News Radio. Everybody, listen to Radio Jobline with Scott Possessor. We're here for you every week to talk about your career, to talk about the job markets, the talent pools. And one of the things we really talk about, especially in the last few years, with the, the talk of recession lingering year, quarter after quarter after quarter, um, is the economy. And we have the best, Michael Hartsman, with us today, um, joining us. I really appreciate you being here, Mike. And uh, I want to talk to you about a couple more things. Um, this time last year, Exactly. We were talking about a a recession, a possibility of a recession. Yes. We seem to be doing the same thing 12 months later. And two years ago, two full years ago, the same thing. We were talking about at this time of the year, um, a, a recession lingering. I remember... I don't know exactly when, if it was 20, 24 months ago, 20, 28 months ago, something or other, there was like a clock ticking that stopped, you know, that, that the way things were going suddenly changed, right? And then the lingering R talk started and it's been going on. This is the third year. So when do we stop talking about it? When do we drop it like a bad habit? So first of all, let me thank you for allowing me to quote the great philosopher and New York Yankee, Yogi Berra. Please. Because it's deja vu all over again. Yes. So yes. Thank you for that. Right. And number two, again, you're 100% correct. Last year, if anyone went back to listen to the podcast I do with Dominic or listen to our show with mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. experts, air quotes, experts were talking about interest rates going down in 2023. And Dominic and I you know, said then, a year ago, we thought it was a ridiculous premise. Mm-hmm. Because 
because they, the feds weren't even done raising interest rates last year at this time. Right. Uh, what would have had to happen for them to lower them? I don't you, even remember talking about that. Yeah, we did. Okay. Trust me. So, so, so yeah, the, the, we've been talking about this for a very, very long time. And, 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 you know, we were talking about a year ago, a soft landing, a hard landing, a no landing for the economy. That's all recession speak. So you're not wrong. This has been bubbling around for a very, very long time. And the problem is you don't know you're in a recession until you've been in it for six months. Mm -hmm. So for all I know, we could be in a recession right now. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. But isn't a recession def defined by two consecutive bad quarters of GDP? Yes. Okay, so, so if we just had a good, a good GDP quarter just now. The, the last one, well, right? So if we have if we have a bad if we, if we have a negative GDP tomorrow, mm -hmm. and an, and another one in three months, that means technically we're in a recession right now. Okay, I don't think we are. Mm -hmm. Right um, now, is it possible that tomorrow's number is the economy was flat or down a little? That's possible. And yes, the the back of the napkin definition of a, of a recession is two negative quarters in a row. There actually is a, an office in Washington with a bunch of economists. Way, way smarter than me, which take way more data than that, those two simple facts. And they're the ones who officially declare a recession. But all that being said, you're right. It's exhausting that all we've been talking about for 24, 36 months is the possibility of a recession. And, 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 and that is why the economy, the market, investors remain hyper-focused on interest rates. And Scott, let's not forget... There's a whole big world out there other than just other than interest rates. Mm -hmm. There's a war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. There's a war in Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, you always bring up prices. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there there were supply chain shortages we had to deal with at one point. That seems to have been resolved. Mm -hmm. There's corporate earnings. There's so much that goes into the soup of of economics and investing. But again, all everyone wants to talk about is if Jerome Powell catches a cold, mm. what's the implication for the rest of us? Right. And Jerome Powell, whoever doesn't know out there, is a Federal Reserve chief. Yes, yes. And so far, he seems to have done a pretty decent job. Although, I have to say, when he was when he was uh, raising interest rates, I wasn't too happy with him. You know, so, but I get it. I, I, I understand now, again, thanks to you and thanks to all your appearances on this show, I've learned a lot, you know, about the economy. But um, I am concerned about prices, Mike. Now, uh, look, the average American cannot go to a baseball game. It's too expensive. I'm, I'm serious when I say that. The average American family cannot afford to go to a baseball game. Uh, the, with the salaries they're paying, $700 million to Shoei Otani, you must be kidding me. Um, it, it's gotten off the rails. It's mm -hmm. completely off the rails, uh, out of control. But the, the thing that bothers me, you go into the grocery store, and I buy the same things every week. And I've been buying the same things every week for years. And I used to spend $80. Now I'm spending $120 mm -hmm. on the same things. Mm -hmm. I went into CVS last week to buy my soap. I use one of those soaps in a bottle, you know, not the bar soap. And it's $7.49. And I'm like, how can that be? This is water. With a little a little stuff in it to, to to gelify it with some soap in it, so I used to pay four seventy nine and now it's seven forty nine for that same soap. So 
our company is gouging us or what is the, the the reason for this and when can we reasonably expect prices to start coming down that that was that's a lot to unpack <laughs> um i don't think prices are coming down anytime soon mm. the definition of inflation is prices increase when inflation slows down or is neutral it means Prices are increasing, you know, less quickly. Mm-hmm. They're in, they're increasing slower. Uh, they they the unless a consumer boycotts a product or simply doesn't buy it, and it gets back to supply and demand, there is no real reason for a company to lower prices unless again there's competition and 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 there's another product out there that, that you might have an interest in that you may want to buy that you could buy for 5 bucks mm-hmm. right but um that that um soap that you bought may not get any cheaper anytime soon mm. but the hope is Scott it's not 8 bucks 6 6 months from now mm. right at the moment i think that's the best you could hope for mm. that there's some price stability so how do Americans get out of this mire then? How do we how do we get back to where we were, Mike? Can we ever get back to where we were? Will will prices ever go back down to where they were? What year? What I mean, how far back 20, are we going? 20, 2020, 21? I don't know. Um no, I think Scott, yes, inflation was was up very, very quickly and went very, very high in a short period of time. Um what would it, what would cause prices to go back to the good old days of pre-pandemic mm-hmm. would be you know deflation you know where the economy is decelerating at such a point that you know manufacturers are forced to cut prices but it's not just a manufacturer it's not just and i don't know where you buy your soap from who if it's johnson and johnson or another company it doesn't matter to me but don't forget you know, they have to buy the material to put that that soap in. Mm-hmm. They have to ship it. They have to get it to that store. They whether it's through you know rails or truck drivers. So it's all these factors that affect the price. Um, so maybe um, if the price of gasoline fuel that goes down, maybe that could help the price of consumer goods to go down if it costs less money to get these products to the to the end user you know and it's still sticker shock when you go to buy a car too yes it is absolutely ridiculous i mean the same car you would have bought three years ago is now thousands more you're correct and and again so here's the dichotomy of that somebody's buying them because mm. if they weren't buying them the prices would come down so the best thing maybe is to boycott. I, you know, I, I wanted to do a shout out to a company called IKEA. They had a cute commercial on, on TV um, not long ago. And they said, you know what? We know it's tough. We're going to lower our prices. And they did. They lowered their prices. That, and that means they must be making less profit. But I bet you brought a lot of people into the store. You know, maybe it's a marketing thing. Maybe companies that, that sell so much consumer product you know, could be saying, well, you know, we're going to be the ones. We're going to be the first ones. We're going to lower the prices. We're, we're going to give you a 10% discount on everything we sell starting tomorrow. 
You know, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And then other companies would have to do it, you know, in order to stay in tune. And they'd otherwise they'd lose out. So, so um, I'm just wondering if there's some sort of groundswell of American supporters that need to get behind this and say, we're the ones that can control the prices. We have the pocketbook. We have the wallet. It's up to us to do the right thing to make prices come down. Yes, Scott, there is that. Um, but there's also the question of convenience, right? Because I remember 20 years ago, maybe, maybe it's more now, I lose track of time, where, where BJ's and Price Club and Costco came to being, and you go to these stores and you buy, you know, gallons upon gallons of soap mm-hmm. and a uh, hundred rolls of toilet paper mm-hmm. at a time. And, and, and they were cheaper, mm-hmm. right? The water, everything was cheaper, but you bought it like you were op- opening a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then Amazon comes along and suddenly you could go on your phone and literally swipe from right to left or left to right. And these things magically appear. So I think also a part of um, prices going up is people, Scott, now, and you may not be, right? You're still schlepping to CVS, mm-hmm. but people are more willing to pay for convenience mm-hmm. to have someone else do their grocery shopping, right? To go on Amazon and click a button. And maybe that's part of the reason why things remain a little bit more expensive than you would like. Mm. So you're saying that that companies like Amazon are part of the reason that products are more expensive? No, I'm saying companies like Amazon have created a model of convenience that has maybe convinced or encouraged people that their time is more important than, you know, going to the store if it could be delivered right at their front door. Yeah. Well, I'm guilty because I use Amazon and uh, I just bought a guitar amplifier. I could have bought it at Guitar Center. But I bought it on Amazon. Because it was probably a little cheaper. It was a little cheaper, and it was delivered to my house. Yeah, so again, I don't think Amazon is raising prices, but I think I think to your point about creating a boycott or everyone stop buying things, I think it's the the, 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 the business model of convenience is what is what people are willing to pay for, mm. is my point. You know, why do people use a, a Grubhub or an Uber rather than getting in their car, driving five minutes to the pizza place and driving five minutes back, you know, they, they could pay an upward of $10 more for that service. Well, I think there's still some COVID people out there that are very worried about the mixing their 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 you know their uh, intake of of air with other people. Uh, you see a lot more masks being worn right now. Uh, I was at the doctor's office recently; they were all wearing masks again. So uh, COVID is back. You know, it's not it's not back the way it was. It's an endemic. It's not a pandemic, but it is back. And I think it's making people crazy. And and once again, uh, you know, Amazon eliminates that. Amazon Amazon does eliminate that. And you're right. Every, again, everything you said you, you is correct, but I still think it could be the middle of July, 90 degrees out, and not everyone on Long Island is sick. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, if you're in your den watching a baseball game and it's just as easy to go on your phone and, and have a pizza delivered to you rather than you getting out of your chair and driving there 10 minutes, mm-hmm. I think people are still willing, some people are still willing to do that, willing yeah. to pay the upcharge for that, Scott. And, and, and and again, does does that add to inflation? It, it adds somewhat, but but the, the the cost of food. I was with someone this morning who runs a catering business, and he said the cost of food in his catering business is up ten percent. 
right? But he can't raise his prices for 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 parties because there's so much competition. Mm. Interesting. So they're taking less. They're making less. They're making less. Yeah. Okay. So so that's not good. That, no. Yeah. It's not good. But what but what is good is people are still throwing parties. Right. Right. So so yeah, he's making less, but he's but he's still busy. Yeah. You know, I want to shift over to gas for a minute. Okay. I I passed my pump this morning, the one that I use every day, uh, and it was two dollars and ninety three cents for gas. And I remember, isn't this down about a buck from last year? Yes, it is. I mean, that's a lot. That is a huge number. When, and when they factor in inflation, do they take gas prices into account? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's called core energy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, core prices. Mm-hmm. So, so when you get the inflation data, you'll get, you'll get um, housing and, and oil included in one number, and then, and then they X out that number. So, yes, and, and to your point, the one direct effect that, that affects people's pocketbook is the price of oil. And gas, whether it's heating their homes now in January when it's freezing, mm. or when they have to fill up their, their their car, that is an immediate direct effect on people's wallets, both good and bad. Okay, so right now the prices have been coming down. They've been coming down, in my opinion, relatively rapidly over the last two three months. Um, is this going to continue? I think if we continue to have a relatively mild winter. It, it, it could continue. And the other thing, I mentioned briefly the war in Ukraine, the war in Israel. If, if those wars, God forbid, escalate, either one and the threat of oil production is now in play, then you'll see, you know, price of gas four bucks again in a, mm-hmm. in a hot second. Mm-hmm. But as long as those conflicts remain confined and, and the, the manufacturers of oil don't use that to beat others over the head with, then I think I think the prices could stay relatively stable. So I'm going into my uh, car dealer next month, and I'm going to buy my car off the lease because I'm I'm not going to lease another car that's going to cost me a hundred dollars a month more. Plus, I have to put down an extra thousand dollars. So I'm not doing that. I just feel like a, a loser if I do that. Like I'm being taken advantage of. So I'm going to just you know liquefy some money and 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 pay plunk down twenty grand and own my car, mm-hmm. which it's still got twenty two thousand miles on it. It's a great car. It's got a lot of lot of life left in it. Uh, and not everybody can afford to do that, Mike. That's correct. They said, but again, what they what they and and auto financing is a little bit of a different animal than general financing is what I've been told, not an expert, but I've been told that if you need to lease a car, rent a car, buy a car, get a loan for a car, it's a little easier because, because you know, the bankers know that you need your car, right? You need to get to work. You need, you need your car most likely to survive mm-hmm. if you own a car. So yeah, most people not, may not have the ability to plunk down 20 grand, but you know, they could go to the bank, get a loan. Again, if interest rates are coming down, that loan payment should be lower mm-hmm. and put them in a position where maybe they can make the same payment for three more years or four more years, but now they own it. Mm. So what's your thought on this car situation? Is this going to improve anytime soon? Because we're, we're, we're talking about possibly prices not coming down for some time, and I would imagine that would translate to the car business as well. I think the car business is really a, a business of of supply and demand, mm-hmm. and a business of, um, you know, if if people are motivated to get get a new car 
or they have to get a new car, they're going to. Mm. And into your into what you said before that you don't want to pay more for a car, somebody's buying them, Scott, because if, if they if they weren't in demand, then you wouldn't have to pay a hundred dollars more. Mm-hmm. You'd be able to pay a hundred dollars less, mm-hmm. right? So the, the the auto industry is is also um, is always its own island because because people treat their cars differently. And and as I said, people are still buying them. The technology is always improving, and I think that's part of the the appeal of getting a new car. Um, I hope you enjoy your car for many years. Mm-hmm. But for all you know, five years from now, you may get in this car and go, "Why don't I have blah blah blah?" Which is the next great technology mm-hmm. that we don't even know about today. Right, right. Well, we we bought a new car for my wife last year. So she's got all the new belts and whistles. My car was only three years old. It was still on lease. But what I like about it is it only had 22,000 miles. Like so, a little old lady goes to church on Sunday. I, still, I drive these days. <laughs> I, I've got a turbo and everything, and I drive like a little old lady. But uh, all right. So just a couple of minutes left, Mike. Give us a couple of your, your final thoughts on wh- what 2024 is going to look like, what people should be cautious of doing, uh, how should we be maybe managing our money any differently? I think the way you manage your money is where you should always manage your money. Be diversified. Understand what the money's for. Understand the timeline for the money. And don't take risks with your head that your stomach cannot withstand. Mm. I think that's really super important in both bull and bear markets. I do think that as long as the Fed stick to their policy of their done raising interest rates now, they will lower interest rates sometime in 2024. Don't let the expectations of the media get you too excited. The one thing that makes me nervous is that the expectation that they're going to lower rates by March or April. I think that's the one thing is it either unlikely or if it happens, something untold has happened in the economy in a very short period of time. Mm. Okay. Now, how can people reach you uh, quickly? If they Is there a website? There is a website. It's uh, labenthalfinancial.com, L-E-B, like boy, E-N-T-H-A-L, labenthal.com. And my phone number is 516-349-5555. Is there an email address? Yeah, you could use my direct email. Uh, is M Hartsman, M-H-A-R-T-Z-M-A-N, at labenthal.com. Okay, you'd be, uh, you'd be wise to give uh, Michael a call if you're, if you're worried about how you manage your money. Uh, Michael, a fantastic job today. So great to see you again. Thank you. Uh, we're going to have to book some lunch as soon as we get off the show. Uh, if you have an idea for Radio Jobline, write to me, scottp118 at gmail.com. ScottP118 at gmail.com. And listen, connect with me on LinkedIn because you're missing everything if you're not. All the uh, the articles that we write uh, about the job market and the economy are, are on that. And everything we do is on social media. So talk to you soon. Happy hunting. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.